Hello, everyone, and thanks for listening today to Trinity Sermons. Now, here at Trinity Church Streetsville, we want to share encouraging sermons rooted in biblical truth that guide us in our faith journey as we seek to love Jesus, to live like Jesus, and to lead other people to Jesus. Now, this is episode three of our sermon series that we are calling Live in the Dream about Joseph in Genesis. And Rob Herkmans will be preaching today about that time when Joseph faces the temptation of Potiphar's wife. Now, before we begin, don't forget to follow our podcast to stay up to date on all of our future sermons and episodes. And to learn more about who we are, feel free to check us out on social media or visit our website at trinitystreetsville.org. God bless. Good morning. A reading from Genesis chapter 39, beginning at the first verse. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything that he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was a well-built and handsome man. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns has been entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called to her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. 
that Hebrew slave you brought us, came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. This is the word of the Lord. As uh, Grace mentioned, this is just the second time we've had a service at 1115, at least in a, a good number of years. So we're very glad that you've joined us this morning. Uh, so the uh, other day, uh, my wife Sally and I, we were on our way to, uh, to visit some friends. And uh, while we were on the way, you know how it goes. We got talking. Uh, I got a bit distracted. And before you know it, I had taken an exit that I shouldn't have taken. And we started going in the wrong direction. And uh, it's a good thing we didn't go too far because we never would have reached our destination if we hadn't turned around. But I just, I got distracted. Now, many people, uh, as they set out to pursue their dreams for their life, their vision for their life, uh, sometimes uh, they too can get distracted. They, They might start out with a very, very clear vision, right? Some of you here today, you have a clear sense of where God is calling you and where you're going. Maybe if you're a student, you have some clear academic goals, or or if you're older, some career goals or some a vision for your family. Even if you're retired, you, you will have plans for your retirement. And, and so you've set out to achieve those goals and make a, maybe you're making absolutely great progress toward those. But then sometimes you stop and you look and you say, oh no, I've kind of, I've gotten lost. I've gotten off track here. I was headed from here to here, but now I'm over here. And you might wonder how on earth did I get so distracted from my dream? from my goal. I have to tell you, there are millions of things today that are there to distract us from reaching our dreams and reaching our goals. We live in a culture that is known as a culture of distraction. And what they mean by that is our culture is full of everything from technology to media to a 24-7 news cycle to the busyness of life. There is always something distracting us. There is always something trying to pull our focus and grab our attention. And this is a problem because it is really hard to accomplish the big things in life if we're constantly distracted by the little things that are going on all around us. A distracted existence leads us to no goal. That is a scary statement. It's a scary thought that all the distractions in life could actually lead us away from God's dream for our life. Now, there are a couple of big distractions that can come to us throughout our life from time to time. These are challenges, there are choices we have to make, and if we do not handle these changes and choices very carefully, they can totally derail our life, and they can totally take us off the path of our dreams. Now, we have been reading the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis. Joseph had a dream that one day he was gonna be a great ruler, a great leader. But in today's story, Joseph will come face to face with two 
major distractions that he must overcome if he's gonna achieve that dream. And we too must overcome these distractions at some point in our life. I'm sure we all will face them at some point or another in the pursuit of our dreams. And those two distractions are this. They're the distraction of power and the distraction of pleasure, right? The lure of power and the temptation of pleasure. Now, for, for Joseph, The the lure of power was this. Will he let his newfound popularity go to his head? And for Joseph, the lure of pleasure was this. Will he let this pretty lady take him to her bed? So you've got, on the one hand, you've got this thing over here which you could say he's, he's, uh, is Joseph gonna end up on a power trip? And over here, is Joseph gonna let his morals slip? Both of these are major, major distractions that would keep you or me or Joseph from getting where God wants us to go. Flaunting around with power or fooling around with temptation and pleasure have derailed so many dreams. They have disgraced so many leaders and they've destroyed so many organizations that I don't even need to tell you. But the good news is Joseph shows us that we can face these distractions, we can overcome these distractions, and we can stay true to the dream that God has given us. Let's start with the distraction of power. There is a saying that goes, the greater the power, the more dangerous the abuse. Now maybe you've seen this, maybe you've experienced this, the abuse of power. Maybe it's in your workplace. Somebody got a promotion and they turned into a real jerk and they became really obnoxious after that promotion. We see it in politics sometimes. A politician will make all sorts of promises in order to get elected, but once they're elected, they'll do whatever suits them. Unfortunately, we see it in the church as well. You will see a church leader that grows in influence and then is allowed to do whatever they want and it has horrible and disastrous consequences, and you may even see it in yourself as well, that you get just a little taste of power, a little bit of power, and pretty soon it goes to your head, and your friends are saying, hey, man, you've changed. You're not the same person anymore. You know, they did a a little uh, study back in 2012 where this researcher had two people play a game of Monopoly, and what he did is he, he totally gave one player like twice the amount of money and two dice, to roll, and he gave the other less powerful player half the money and one dice. And then, of course, he let them, let them go and play. Well, it didn't take long before the player with more money and more dice started acting really obnoxious. They were totally power tripping. They, 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 they started talking louder. They, they started uh, avoiding eye contact with their opponent. They started hogging more of the table. They even started reaching across and moving their opponent's game pieces. And when they moved their own game pieces, they were often very loud and obnoxious about it, like boom, 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 I pass, go, give me 200, you know, deal with it, right? And, and everyone knew it was a game and it was rigged and yet they still acted like they had real power. The conclusion was that even a little bit of power can corrupt ordinary people even when it's a game. Now Joseph though, Joseph didn't have a little bit of power. He had a lot of power (laughs) and it wasn't a game, it was real power. And this is how we know, let's take a look. First of all, we know Joseph had power because of the people that he was around. First of all, you have to understand, Joseph was bought as a slave by this 
fellow named Potiphar. Potiphar was the captain of the guard. Put another way, Potiphar would have been the commander-in-chief of the Egyptian armed forces. That made Potiphar one of the most powerful people in one of the most powerful countries on the face of the earth in those days. So right away, Joseph is surrounded by some pretty big power players, okay? It's the people he's surrounded with. But secondly, it's the place he finds himself. We are told that Joseph actually lived in the house of Potiphar, right? Joseph, in other words, was living in the White House, He was living in the center of power and all those visiting heads of state and all those dignitaries and all the who's who of Egypt would have surely brushed shoulders and and come across Joseph as they came in and out of that place. He he had uh, a group of people, he had a place, but he also had a position that gave him power. Joseph found favor in Potiphar's eyes and became his attendant. Now you may say, Attendant. That doesn't sound like a, a great position. But you got to understand that is the same word the Bible uses to describe Joshua's relationship to Moses. So, in other words, Joseph became the COO of all the affairs and all the estate of Potiphar. He had incredible responsibility and he had incredible authority. This was a high position with high control and high power. Not only that, but Joseph enjoyed prosperity. Seven times in the passage that we just read, we come across words like prosperity and success and favor. I don't think there's anywhere else in all the Bible where you will find the story of someone who ascends through the ranks, who ascends from slave to to ruler as fast as Joseph did. Normally, when young people are given that much power that quickly, it leads to disaster, but Joseph prospered in that role. Also, we have to consider his popularity. The text makes it clear that when Joseph came on the scene, things started changing. People started to notice that he has the touch, he's got the gift, this guy's special, there's something about him. Before Joseph got here, it was all man, and now look at the place. Joseph's our man, he's our guy, yay, Joseph. So his popularity is going up too. And finally, I wanna mention this, and you can put as much weight on it as you want, but the scriptures are clear to tell us that Joseph was a good-looking fellow as well. He was handsome in form and appearance, and, and some people have tried to establish, is there a connection between the power people have and their appearance? But is there a connection between our looks and our power? Well, Joseph had both. He had good looks and he had power. Hey, I just want to give you a little side note here. This is in Genesis 39, but if you go back to Genesis 29, you will come across a description of Joseph's mother, whose name was Rachel. And we're told, quote, that Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance, which answers the age-old question. Yes, children get their good looks from their mothers. So there you have it. There you have it. Joseph, a young man who has been given incredible power. The people he knows, the place he resides, the position he holds, the prosperity he achieves, the popularity he enjoys, and the appearance to boot. So now the question is, will this power go to his head? Will he go on some kind of power trip that will distract him from his God-given dream? 
like has happened to so many others before him and after him. You see, when you have power, there's really just two ways you can go with it. The first way is you can use your power to benefit yourself. This is called the abuse of power, the abuse of power. When you use your power for personal gain to coerce or harm someone else in the process. Of course, this can take the form of physical abuse, financial abuse, psychological abuse, even sexual abuse. And I know that you have heard or maybe you've even experienced this kind of abuse of power in your own life. But hey, you you don't even have to go that far to find an example of it. Just look right here in the story and you will see someone who is abusing their power for personal gain. And that person is Potiphar's wife. She's got power too, by the way. She's got power, maybe more power than Joseph. And man, oh man, is she trying to abuse that power. She catches him, grabs him. Is that physical abuse? Come to bed with me. Is that sexual abuse, right? In, in Hebrew, it's even more blunt. There's only two words there, and they're both in the imperative, which basically means sex now. I want sex, and I want it now. But it's important to know this is not just about sex. This is about power right? She's using power to get what she wants. Now, the abuse of power isn't always so obvious as this. In fact, I want to just take a side note here and say all of us who work or volunteer or serve even here at Trinity, you have power. You have some power, whether it's in men's ministry, women's ministry, prayer ministry, life group ministry. If you are praying with someone in our part of our prayer ministry, you have a power relationship over that person. You may say, I don't have power over them. We're just friends. We're just talking. We're just, we're just buddies. We're church members. But no, no. When you're in that role, there is real and or perceived power in ministry. And so we need to be extremely careful here at Trinity as we care for one another. Churches get into a load of trouble and a whole bunch of hot water when we cross boundaries and when we abuse power. So let's make sure we're being careful with that. We can't use power for our own benefit. Is that what Joseph does? Does he use his power to benefit himself? And the answer is no, he does not. He uses his power, in fact, to bless others, and so must we. Read this. From the time he put him in charge of his household, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. So who benefits from Joseph's power? the Egyptian, Uh, Potiphar does. In fact, all of Egypt ends up uh, being the beneficiary of his power. I just want to tell you this. Uh, Joseph's great-grandfather was a guy named Abraham, and God told Abraham, he said, Abraham, one day, through your descendants, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. And here we see Abram's great-grandson, Joseph, and it's actually happening. The nations of the earth are being blessed through him. In fact, this is just the beginning. Joseph is going to go on to launch a massive hunger relief program that is going to save many nations and thousands and thousands of people. So that is the way you use power, not to benefit yourself, but to bless others. Now, again, you might be saying, Rob, I don't have that kind of power. But I would actually say all of us have some power in some of our relationships, in our workplace, again, even here in the church. Or one day you may be offered more power or you may be tempted with power. What are you going to do when that day comes? 
Are you going to let that power go to your head? Are you going to use that power to benefit yourself, or will you use that power for others instead? I hope so. So Joseph didn't get distracted when it came to the distraction of power, but that's not the only distraction he faced. He also faces other really tough distraction, which we're gonna call the distraction of pleasure. And here's what happened, here's what happened. One of the greatest tests of our lives often comes during our, our, our high moments, our times of great prosperity. When things are going along great, that's often when the tests and the trials really come. And that's what happened for Joseph. He was at the zenith of his career. He was at the top of his game. And that's when Potiphar's wife took notice of him and said, come to bed with me. This is the distraction of pleasure, sexual pleasure. It's an invitation to an extramarital affair. And I know each and every one of us have seen how this kind of distraction can absolutely destroy a person's life and throw all their dreams up into the air. We live in a culture, though, that says, hey, if it feels good, just do it. Just do it. And Joseph lived in a culture that said the same thing. If it feels good, just do it. So what I'm trying to say is what Joseph was facing and the culture he lived in is not all that different from ours. And so we can learn from Joseph. What can we learn from Joseph? The first thing we can learn is what these distractions look like and how they operate. And the first thing that this story teaches us is that these distractions and temptations often come to us at unexpected times and in unexpected places. I don't think Joseph saw this coming. Joseph was a a slave boy who had just been bought by a master and shoved in a house and, and put to work for the princess of the house to take notice of him and to see him, I bet he was like, what, me? Are you talking to me, me, little old Joseph? Me, Hebrew slave boy Joseph? You think I'm good, you wanna go to bed with me? I'm flattered, I can't believe it. Wow, I just, I don't even know what to say. I'm so surprised. And, And temptation often catches us off guard. We don't expect it, we don't see it coming. We're not ready for it, it comes unexpected times from unexpected places. But secondly, it wasn't just that this temptation was unexpected, it was unrelenting. She spoke to Joseph day after day. It wasn't just that she propositioned him once and said, hey, go to bed with me, and Joseph said, no thanks, and then she said, okay, I'll leave you alone. No, it was day after day after day after day. Hey, Joseph, the offer still stands. Day after day, hey, Joseph, you know, anytime you want it, I'm over here, day after day. Being tempted once is hard, but being tempted in an unrelenting day after day way is very different. So you may resist at first, but will you cave in? over time. It was an unrelenting temptation that he faced. Thirdly, though, this was a largely unseen temptation. Hey, Joseph, it'll be our little secret, right? You know, it's just you and me in this great big house. Nobody is really ever around here. My husband's always out on business. He doesn't really care. And so, hey, why don't we just, you know, we can just do this on the sly. Nobody will ever know. So, John Wooden, who's a basketball coach and a leadership guru, once said, the true test of a person's character is what they do when no one is watching. Uh, This temptation was completely under the radar. It was unseen. And fourthly, I think I want to say it was probably also an understandable 
temptation. What I mean by that is often when we give in to temptation, it's because we've somehow worked it out in our mind, we've reasoned it through, and we've come up with a reason why we should succumb to that temptation, right? Uh, Joseph might have thought, well, you know, I am a slave and she is my master. I better do what she say. Uh, or, or he might have said, well, you know what? It may be to my advantage to sleep with her. After all, be one more person in a position of power, one more friend in high places. Or he may have said, you know what? I really should sleep with her because she could wreck my career if I don't. So yes, jo- Joseph could have said all these things. Understandably, he could have rationalized it and given in. So I, I hope you see, this was a heavy, heavy temptation for Joseph, right? This was hard. And, and please don't hold Joseph up as some saint like, like uh, oh, we could never be like Joseph. Joseph was a flesh and blood human being just like you and just like me. So, so there are some important lessons we can learn from that are within reach for us as well. We can stay true to the dream God has for our life in the same way that Joseph stayed true in the face of this tempting pleasure. Here's one thing that Joseph obviously did. Joseph decided ahead of time how he's gonna react in situations like this. Did you notice how quickly Joseph refused her invitation? Come to bed with me, boom, but he refused, period. He immediately said no. The Bible doesn't tell us he thought about it for a while or he considered it for a week. No, he immediately said no, which means that Joseph had already decided that his moral foundation was gonna come from God, that, that his view on sexuality and relationships, he had already figured that out in his mind ahead of time before the temptation arose. David Jeremiah says, the back seat of a steamed up car is not the place to formulate your standards for dating. And he's right. Better have those things figured out before you get into that situation. Sometimes we say, oh heck, I'll just figure it out in the moment, I'll muddle through. No, 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 far better to decide ahead of time because moments like that, moments like that don't make you who you are. In those moments, it reveals who you are, reveals who you've already decided you're gonna be. So he decided ahead of time. But secondly, he considered others Right, many people today would say, oh, sex is just between two consenting adults. It's nobody's business but their own. But Joseph knew it's always somebody else's business. There's always somebody involved. There's always someone who can get hurt. Joseph, he knew and he cared for Potiphar. Potiphar had been so good to Joseph, given him so much opportunity. And Joseph knew that to go and sleep with Potiphar's wife would be incredibly hurtful to Potiphar. You know, stuff like this is just never between two people, and you know that, right? There's always, there's always children that are involved. There's always a family that's involved. There's always friends or a community that gets drawn up in this. Everybody pays the penalty for these kind of decisions. But Joseph considered others as he contemplated this. Thirdly, he avoided the situation I love this line, he says, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her, right? Now, Potiphar's wife, she could have gone to plan B. She could have said, okay, he has turned down my offer for sex, but Joseph, how about we just get together for coffee? 
Or Joseph, you know, it's kind of lonely around here. Okay, forget what I said earlier. Let's just hang on. Maybe we could just go for a walk. It's a big, empty, lonely house. I just want someone to talk to and hang out with. You know, years ago, I worked with a married couple. The wife had had an affair with someone in her workplace. And as they were working on rebuilding their marriage, they made a decision. They said, in order to give our marriage a shot, she was gonna have to quit her job. They were set on this. They determined that she could not go to work every day and be in that same setting as that person who had tempted her and hurt her family so much. It was a radical decision, and uh, I think it was the right decision. You can get another job, but you can't get another life. You can't get another marriage. You, You can't get another family. That's forever. Now, some people might say, too extreme, or they might say, man, Joseph's a coward. We're, you know, surely we can, we, we're strong people. We can put up, we can, we can hang out with someone. I can have coffee with her and, and not be tempted by her. But he ran and he avoided her and he knew that was the safest and wisest thing to do in this situation. I think he was right. So the last thing I just want to say related to that is it's very apparent that Joseph treated this whole thing very, very seriously. How can I do such a wicked thing and sin against God. Those are big words. Those are serious words. Nowadays, a lot of people would instead say, oh, come on. How prudish. How old-fashioned. Don't you know people do stuff like this all the time? Every book, every movie, every celebrity, they're all having sex and doing this kind of thing. My friends, my classmates, my coworker, they're all fooling around with each other. It's all sex and affairs and cheating. What, can't people fool around a bit? Can't people mess around a little bit? Oh, but people don't take it seriously anymore like Joseph took it seriously. Joseph said, I'm taking this seriously, and that is one of the reasons why he was able to persevere through this temptation and ultimately fulfill the dream that God had in mind for him. He treated it seriously. So I just want to say, if you've got a dream for your life, for your career, if you've got a dream for your family, be careful. When the distraction of temptation comes, decide ahead of time to follow God. Think about others. Avoid the risk Take it seriously. Don't slough this stuff off. It's serious. So just in closing, just in closing, whether it is the lure of power or whether it is the longing for pleasure, both of these are serious distractions that must be defeated in order for us to get where God wants us to go. Joseph's a good example for us to follow, but I would say there's an even better example that we can look to, and that's Jesus himself, right? Jesus, of course, knew all about the temptations of power and pleasure. Picture Jesus hanging on the cross. Surely Jesus had enough power that he could have taken himself down from that cross. Could he not have used his power to escape? Could he not have used his power to claim the throne as king and rule as he rightly should? Of course he could have, but he resisted that distraction, the distraction of power. What about pleasure? Surely Jesus could have lived a more pleasurable life than this. He gave up the comforts of heaven. Couldn't he have had some comforts on earth? Couldn't he have avoided this suffering, avoided this pain, avoided all the suffering of the cross? And of course he could. But he resisted the temptation of pleasure as well. You see, Jesus, like Joseph, sacrificed both power and pleasure 
He could have benefited himself, but instead he chose to benefit others, you and me included. He could have saved himself, but instead he chose to save others, you and me included. And that ultimately, as we know, is how God's dream comes true. That's how it came true in the life of Joseph. That's how it comes true in the life of Jesus. And that's how God's dream is gonna come true in your life too. So thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. And it is our hope that you enjoyed this message and are inspired by Rob's words and this relevant sermon. And if you enjoyed the sermon, please take some time to rate and review our podcast so that we can continue to share the good news with others. And don't forget to come back next week where we will be learning about the next stage of Joseph's life as he continues to live out the dream that God had for him. Today's sermon was taken from the November 12th, 2023 service at 11.15 a.m.